Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's up, you guys? This is Brian Sumner. Welcome to episode 86 of the Foolishness Podcast. I know it is crazy. Who's going to be the president? What's going on? This conspiracy, that conspiracy, where is our hope? There's so many things to think about, but the most important thing is obviously, if you're familiar with the Foolishness Podcast, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I'm here today excited to unpack a few things. I've got a good friend of mine who's on. He is an avid listener. He's a husband, father, business owner, and recently he's gotten more focused on the realm of apologetics. So Mr. Pete Duenas, how are you doing? Hey, Brian. Uh, glad to be on your show. Like you said, I've been supporting your ministry and uh, listening to all the podcasts. So it's kind of interesting being on it. Ironic, huh? Yeah. And guys, I've, I've known Pete for this long. Our families are close. We were meant to hike together today. Even as Pete said, he has been someone that in church years ago felt like the Lord said, hey, connect with Brian. I feel like for you, you're almost more of an introvert, Pete. And it's like you've you've you know you've got this crazy business that has just taken off, and you're really trying to hear God in these seasons. And you've partnered with a lot of ministries worldwide. You know, not to not to steal your your treasure in heaven, but God has positioned you in an amazing way. But in that journey, one of your focuses has been you just feel called to go deeper, obviously with the Lord, but in the Word, but specifically with what apologetics. Yeah. So uh, like you said, I'm, I'm in business, but I think from the beginning, um, just as a Christian and believing the things the Bible says, mm-hmm. believing King Solomon when he says, you know, I had all these things and it was like soap bubbles, right? Mm-hmm. All these experience, all this money, and it doesn't bring fulfillment. And so knowing that getting into business, thinking like I want to be successful in business, but mm-hmm. knowing that's not ultimately going to be um, satisfying. And so mm. I just felt this call in my life where um, God had for me um, a more of a significant ministry, which is which which ended up being um, apologetics. Yeah. So originally, I was really interested in science. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to know everything quantum physics and um, <laughs> cosmology. When I was a kid, I would always look at the stars and, you know, essentially glory in God's creation, right? Mm. And, um, and the more I got into the science, the more I realized uh, that the scientists weren't good philosophers. Mm. So they would maybe interpret some data and then they would build their own philosophical argument into it. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of, you know, things that couldn't possibly be true about what they were saying. So um, one of the apologists that I like is John Lennox. And he says, nonsense remains nonsense, even when uttered by a, you know, PhD physicist, <laughs> right? So, um, so then I started looking more into philosophy and mm. got really into f- uh, philosophy. And then that kind of led me to apologetics because it incorporates science, philosophy, mm. worldview, all different sorts of thing, things in order to essentially prove Christianity to be true. Mm-hmm. So apologetics, if you look at uh, the definition for apologetics, it's a reasoned argument in writing for the justification of something, typically a theory or a religious doctrine. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it, you know, it sounds like an apology, which is yeah. saying you're normally today is saying you're sorry. It's not that it's, 
it's a reasoned approach to something. And so typically it's, it's defined as a defense. I don't necessarily like the word defense mm-hmm. because it seems like you're, you're, you just have a shield. Right. But I think apologetics is, is also an offensive thing, like mm-hmm. not, not to turn people off, but basically going after proving Christianity to be true in mm-hmm. various ways, you know, proving the scripture to be the word of God mm-hmm. from a historical perspective, from a logical perspective, philosophy, you name it, you know, because it's true, it can be true from any perspective. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And even to jump in, you know, so, so Pete, Pete can skateboard. If you, you know, we'll go skate a park with our kids like last week and my kids are all up and down the rails and the banks and Pete will literally almost stand still and do all the kick flips, hard flips, heel flips. He's more of a street flat ground skater who typically those guys are more the guys in the mind. So Pete, as we met, was just feeling this burning of the Lord, like, man, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. So our conversations when the families would hang out, go get ice cream, go hang out by the beach, would just always be about Bible, theology, scripture. And I love that stuff. You know, one of the evidences to me that God is so real is that he takes someone who's just engulfed in culture and then we're just so drawn to his word i mean yes it's got crazy stories but are that many funny things really no it's an honoring and book of reverence for the lord so as we began to connect pete had signed up for a bunch of courses he'd gotten into apologetics and i was going to ask you know definition which you already gave but basically to maybe my english listeners or those around the world maybe those who aren't believers apologetics is able to give an argument as we see in scripture for the hope we have, but it's not sitting back saying when someone comes and asks me when an atheist or agnostic or someone challenges something, I can tell them why. Yes, we should be able to do that. But the reality is it's knowing why we believe and being able to present an argument. And we see this with Jesus. We see this with Paul. We see this with Peter. They were able to understand where the world was in that day. For example, if they were alive today, they would have an understanding of evolution. They would have an idea of many of the false religions and they would be able to argue for why the Bible is true. Ultimately, it's the word of God that is true, but apologetics is unpacking that and building those bridges. So how long ago did you take those courses? That was what, the last like four or five years or so? Yeah, so I graduated about a year ago, uh, December 2019. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it for about five years. Yep. So I stretched out a two years master's degree into about five years, you know, with life thrown in business and everything else. And so for those who will listen, I just said to Pete, why don't we start jumping on the podcast and unpacking certain topics that are relevant and certain things that matter? So I guess for me, even, and we talked the other day about that verse in First Peter 3 that talks about um, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason, for the hope that is in you, and what to do it with gentleness and respect. So I grew up in England where the Bible was just some historic book, where there was many religions, where there was all this stuff going on. But if I was to say to you, what is the hope we have and can Christianity be trusted? Where do you start as an apologetics guy? Yeah, I mean, essentially, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life right? No man comes to the father, but, but through me, mm-hmm. um, John 14, six. And in that there is an emphasis on the truth. You know, you look at John, you look at the scriptures, Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, he's mm-hmm. essentially telling, saying, I'm telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. 
Paul echoes him and saying, look, if this isn't true, if Christ isn't raised from the dead, yeah, <laughs> and we're still in our sins, this is no benefit. You know, like faith isn't a benefit if it's mm. not true. If it's not true that Jesus is God, if it's not true, if God's mm-hmm. word, you know, what we have is the Bible isn't true, then essentially, you know, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 19, we're to be most pitied, yeah. right? So it's it's not, you know, Daniel Dennett wrote a book um, called Breaking the Spell, and he he's an atheist, and he argues that essentially religion should be put to a scientific test and to see if there's found any benefit in them, even if they're false, but if there's some sort of benefit, we should still hold on to, to that. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you know, Christianity doesn't agree with that. It's, yeah. It's, it, it has to be true. It's kind of an all or nothing thing, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> you know, one of the main reasons to be a Christian is because it's true. Yeah. If it's not true, it should be discarded, but it is true, right? Yeah. And so I think that is, you know, for me as an apologist, I focus on the truth. Um, for you as an evangelist, you focus on the gospel. Yeah, right? which is true. So, yeah, those things can go together, you know, and there's different ways to prove the gospel to be true. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to even hear it. Sometimes yeah. it's hard for people to even hear it. They've heard the gospel so many times, but they've got these ideas and mm-hmm. uh, things that set themselves up against God. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of ideas, especially today, on um, a lot of false ideas that people buy into, mm-hmm. and a lot of them keep keep them from God. And yeah. so in order to get them to a place almost where they can hear the gospel, it, th- these ideas need to be demolished, right? And I think, uh, you know, in apologetics, that's one big part of it is taking the false ideas particularly mm-hmm. of that day and demolishing them so that people to bring people to God, you know, if, if, if we were going to, you know, if we were going to say how many people are saved by apologetic arguments versus the simple gospel, it's going to be a real small amount, you know, mm-hmm. the gospel is powerful by itself. Yeah. Um, so, but even for that small amount, I think apologetics is worth it. And, it's just something that I've become passionate about because I like knowing how everything works. I like mm-hmm. knowing why it's true from all kinds of angles, you know, mm-hmm. wrestling with different sorts of ideas, you know, as, as a Christian and you know, where I am now, it's, I'm not afraid of finding out something that is going to, you know, wreck my faith yeah. because, you know, so I'm not trying to protect myself from ideas. I want to encounter these ideas mm. To, to essentially, you know, see what's out there, they prove false ideas wrong. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I read a lot of atheist books. Read, I read both sides. So a lot of apologists, you know, just regular scientific books, mm-hmm. um, theology, and a lot of atheists as well. Like Bart Ehrman, a lot of these guys talking about the other day. But just yeah. just for, for you guys listening to what Pete said then, He's not saying that some grandma on the street who suddenly encounters Brian and Brian shares the gospel. We know the gospel is the power and the salvation. And that woman could just be in a state that day where she hears the gospel in Corinthians 15 and she sees her sin. She knows God is good. She feels the love. The spirit moves. She comes to faith. We get that. 
but to help some of you understand why I think apologetics is such a big deal. You know, we had Alicia Childers on the other week. She's going to be on the next episode. Stay tuned for that. But I've said this many times. I never met one Christian in England, a Jehovah Witness, a Mormon, a lot of Muslims. So I came to America with the idea there's many religions. So if I'm sitting there with Pete, we're at a campfire, we're at a skate park, and here's this guy. Oh, this dude's in apologetics. I'm this guy from England. Dude, this guy's interesting to talk to. Well, Pete, aren't there many gods? I mean, what does Jesus mean? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, so you would already have arguments in place, not that everyone's the same mechanical-wise, but you know you can go back to the word. And here's why this is important, why I even wanted this episode on. A lot of Christians come to faith, go into a youth group, or they've been through a crazy marriage, it falls apart, they go back into the church, and whatever the culture that church is, it shapes them. So if they're not really heavy on the word, they don't know Christianity is really about the word of God. If they're not really living a life of reaching people and serving, Christianity is almost like just a a self-help group. And the reality is I'm hoping people will hear this and see how bold this makes you. I am a truth guy. As Christians, we should be. Pete is, I mean, he loves this stuff. So for me, if I met you on the road or a skate park and I was like, well, Pete, aren't there many gods? How would you approach that? Yeah. So, so that's more of a comparative religion question, right? Yeah. If you read C.S. Lewis, he'll say there really aren't that many religions, mm-hmm. right? You've got the monotheistic religions and a lot of them are derivative from Christianity. So you've got Islam, which is derivative from Christianity mm-hmm. and Judaism you have Mormonism, which is derivative of Christianity, right? Yep. Um, that was my wife. She ordered the pizza at the, okay. at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially, um, and, and then you've got the pantheism and Eastern religions. But the, some people say there's 4,000 religions. There really isn't. There could be a few options, yeah. Yeah, there's, there, there's, really, there's really only a few options. But the, 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 the thing is, is that... Um, they can't all be right. Yeah. Right. I mean, just think about it logically. But why can't they? Why why can't I be Buddhist and she's a Christian and they're, you know, into the chakras and they're chanting? Can we not all make that work? Yeah. Because every truth claim is exclusive. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you say something is true, that means anything that contradicts whatever you're saying is true is false. Mm -hmm. And all these other religions contradict Christianity. Yeah, we're saying Christianity is true. It couldn't possibly be true that all of these other religions are are, are true as well. Mm-hmm. They may have some truth to them. I think C.S. Lewis calls that the Tao. So yeah. if if people didn't know that C.S. Lewis was an apologist, he is. He's actually one of the most famous recent apologists. Yeah, he's known for his Narnia books, but. He's got a lot of other books dealing with, um, you know, things like the problem of pain. Why does God allow evil? Comparative religion stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, essentially, I think he calls it the Tao. There, there is true some truth in other religions. Mm-hmm. But like, say you're doing a math problem and it's a complex problem that takes a page long. If you make a mistake somewhere, mm-hmm. then it's going to ultimately be false, right? Yeah. So even if you have some truth. It's ultimately going to be false, whereas Christianity is completely true, yeah. right? And 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 so that's the difference. So, you know, a lot of other religions have something similar to the golden rule mm-hmm. given by Jesus, right? But, um, you know, it's the, the so 
that would be true, right? If they say something, if other religions mm -hmm. agree with Jesus and something they say, that's true because what Jesus said is true. But there's yeah. a lot of other things that, that aren't. And ultimately, ultimately, they're not true. So people, I, I think people arguing that, you know, all paths lead to God or all paths lead to heaven is there's this analogy of a, an elephant, right? And, and you've got all the, the blind mystics who are meant to <laughs> represent all the religions of the world. And they're, they're feeling around and they're touching different parts, parts of the elephant. And one of them touches the trunk and says it feels like a snake. And the other one touches, touches the leg and says it feels like a tree trunk. And one of them touches the, the side and says it feels like a wall. And supposedly the inference yeah. you're supposed to draw is like that they're all, they're all, they all have some piece of the truth. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think in the original story, there's, there's a King that's over, over it all. That's yep. looking down on them that essentially knows what the truth is. And there is a truth, right? Yeah. They're, they're like not all right. Yeah. Essentially it's an elephant. Yep. It's not all of these other things. And so that's, that's Christianity. You have Jesus looking down at, at all of us and essentially telling us, telling us what reality is. Mm -hmm. and, and it's true. And truth is what corresponds to reality. Yeah. Well, cause so for those listening, here's why this matters at the stage I am in my life. If you understand Genesis and I get it. We're quoting the text. We're talking about the people might want to discredit. But what God is saying is that we're living in a fallen world and he sent his son. So every other faith or religion that doesn't acknowledge that you and I are dead in sin and need forgiveness does not get us to God. And if God is the author and finisher, the creator, the one who spoke the universe, for example, if we focus on the universe, it can't save us. If we go through... Um, you know, methods of ritualistic praying and fasting and all this and helping the world, but we're never forgiven by Christ. We don't get to go be with the Lord. So Christianity is exclusive in that sense. And so when Brian says, how can't they all be true? And, and you've heard it said, even the truth claims, I don't believe anything is true. Well, even that's truth claim in itself. You must believe that claim is true. So apologetics is starting from the beginning, tearing back everything we can, and I've seen great atheist debates, agnostics with Christians, and the things they will throw out in the middle, like where are unicorns in the Bible? Well, that word wasn't even around then, so it's a one-horned rhinoceros. But you'll see so much thrown to tear down who Christ is that you've got to get back to the truth. And here's the problem you and I now have, Pete. We're claiming the truth is God's word. We're claiming this document hasn't been messed with by men, that it wasn't written to control people, that it can all be tested, which was the heart of where you are. So you're about proving Christianity to be true, and you're claiming the Bible is the word of God, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so how? what would you tell me sitting there at the skate park? Well, how do I know the Bible is the word of God? Didn't someone write it? I mean, isn't this a printing on a, on a paper someone did in Minnesota? Where do we go with that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the place that I like to go is prophecy. Mm -hmm. like prophecy to me is very powerful. Mm. I mean, there's a, there, there's a lot of other things that can be said about the Bible, how it was transcribed, mm -hmm. the, the amount of texts that we have for the scripture mm -hmm. is incredible compared to any other ancient document. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like times, times a thousand, mm -hmm. you know, like I think there's 5,000 different very old manuscripts of, of the scripture. Yeah. And, and so 
you know, it, we can be confident that the things that were written back there were translated well. Um, there's things like, like the codex. Mm-hmm. Why did they include certain books in the Bible? Um, at the time the New Testament was written, they started using the codex format, which is more like a normal book. Before that, it was scrolls. Yeah. And it's hard to get multiple scrolls together, but if you do it in a codex, you can get multiple letters, like the mm-hmm. letters to the various churches and the gospels and things like that. Um, and it's an easier way to get to, uh, to get them recreated and printed. And so there's numerous copies out very early. So we yeah. can talk about things like that, but with, with the scripture itself, I like to go to prophecy. Yeah. Right. I think prophecy <laughs> is, a, is a very, very important proof because if, if we're talking about other books claim to be the word of God, right? Like, yeah. like the Quran, um, you know, and, and different things like that. So, so how can, how can scripture be verified that it's the word of God? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think prophecy is one Jesus, for example, says, um, I'm telling you now before it happens so that it, when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. And that's mm-hmm. John 13, 19. So essentially one of the reasons why God gives us prophecy is for him to prove himself who he is right and mm-hmm. and to, and to essentially validate what's written in the scripture mm-hmm. because we can look at some of the old you know some of the prophecies that were written and then came true and say okay what is the probability of the what is the probability of somebody just randomly writing this and it happened to be true mm-hmm. right because you, you know there's things like nostradamus or or whatever, and you can write something and then try to match it up to something else. But essentially, you know, scripture is so specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's about 2,500 prophecies in the Bible. 2000 have already been fulfilled with no errors. And um, essentially the, the, the odds of one being fulfilled is maybe very conservatively one in 10. Mm-hmm. So, in order for 2000 <laughs> to be fulfilled, it would be one in 10 to the, to the 2000th. Mm. Guys, I want you to really hear what Pete's saying. You can be watching this going, here's Brian, here's Pete. And you can be treating this like this is some ancient alien show or like some, you know, all the DVDs I watch, I was coming to faith, the history channel. And it'd be someone that isn't really a believer, but there's religious studies and they'll have a bias. Listen, we don't have scribes in the same way today. Pete talked about the word of God. Back then it was families. God orchestrated his word. Obviously, we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have Moses in the first five books of the Bible. Many obviously claiming that Moses recorded them, wrote them down, or that the title Moses over those five books is that it's allotted to this time period and up to that man. And so when we look at that, God claims he breathed that word. And for a family that was a family of scribes, if Pete was a scribe, he would write and his son would write and their son would write. And there would be three people next to each other. And he would say the word, he would write the word, and he would read the word. So it was so accurate. It's written in Hebrew. You have the Greek. You have Aramaic throughout the New Testament. I remember a skater friend of mine saying, well, why is there an Old and New Testament? Why are they different? He didn't even understand that the Old Testament was God's word to Abraham was a pagan. The story of Genesis throughout, but then the nation of Israel 
God carrying that lineage and the seed that would become Christ. And then we have this gap and then here comes the Messiah, the new Testament as the Messiah comes on the scene. But what Peter is saying is that from Genesis three, there's prophecies of Jesus crushing the serpent's head. Have you seen that skateboard of mine with Jesus fly kicking Satan's face? You know, I'm not saying that's exactly what Jesus looks like, but people can recognize, okay, there's a Jewish Messiah stamping out Satan. That's prophecy. We see Zechariah 9, 9, that's prophecy. We see all these promises of God that though they understood them, they didn't happen yet. So as they happened, it totally affirmed everything the word said. They already believed. And like you're saying as well, you know, Moses and Aaron, they were affirmed by the signs that followed them. And Elijah and Elisha, they were affirmed by the signs that followed them. Jesus showed up as the prophet that Moses spoke about. Um, the law and the prophets were fulfilled in Jesus. And so what kind of prophecies could you say to someone today were fulfilled by Jesus? I mean, what was is the whole of the Old Testament about this coming king and this redemptive story of all of our listeners? Yes, I think um, uh, there was a team that looked at 48 of the major prophecies about Jesus, and they calculated the odds of, you know, a person fulfilling fulfilling those prophecies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it was ten. It was one in ten to the hundred and fiftieth. So I think I think one in hundred and fifty seventh actually. So I think one in ten to the hundred and fiftieth is is actually math known as mathematical impossibility. But also to, to give you an idea of just the number, the number of atoms in the known universe, just to give you an idea on how big this number is, it's 10 to the 80th mm -hmm. is the number of estimated atoms, atoms in yeah. the universe. Not atoms, atoms. Atoms, little tiny, <laughs> you know, atoms. Um, and, and again, the, the, the odds of Jesus fulfilling for just 48 prophecies is 10 to the 157th. So it's right? that specific. And why wouldn't it be if it was God? And some of you guys listening, I didn't come to faith because I was just like, oh, I believe this. I was like, Pete, I'm going to disprove. I started with the Buddhist faith, looking at Rastafari, all these different things, the idea of enlightenment and reincarnation. I thought I was going to be going to college and university like Bruce Lee for philosophy. But when I got into the word of God and tried to disprove it and realized there was more historical documents for Jesus Christ than, you know, Socrates or Plato or I mean, ancient history, go online and look at God versus evolution or look at the, the real Mount Sinai. You know, there's just some amazing things. So historically, geographically, scientifically, evidence for the Bible, whether you believe Jesus is Messiah or not, but scientifically, the evidence that there was a people group who lived and followed this religion. And now back to Pete and the important part, but these prophecies. Yeah, and I think, I, I think an important uh, thing to maybe consider right now is that I mean, these are the words of Jesus, you know, him saying, I'm telling you before it happens so that you may know. Mm -hmm. right? A lot of times um, people, people, non-Christians will, will try to disparage the word faith, mm -hmm. right? And they'll almost equate faith with, with blind faith, right? Mm -hmm. What we would call blind faith. Faith is believing something without a reason. Yeah. Right. They'll, they'll kind of try to match it up to that. But we as Christians, 
you know, faith is trust or confidence based on what we know or have reason to believe. Mm-hmm. As reasons increase, then more than your faith can strengthen, right? So faith is like confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jesus, Jesus did not expect people to just believe blindly, right? Even yeah. he's God. He come, he's coming down to earth. He's God. Mm-hmm. He demonstrates himself to be God. He gives people evidences. And so, you know, some of the things he says is, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidences of the works themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's saying the miracles that I'm doing and the things that I'm doing are the evidences that verify what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He's not saying you should just believe me for no reason. He's saying, look, I'm doing, I'm, I'm giving you this, these evidences mm-hmm. so you believe, you know, God can speak to your spirit, <laughs> minister, minister your spirit, and you can just know it, right? You experience God and you can know by experience. Amen. You can also know, you can also know by seeing him work. And so yeah. that was his word to his disciples, but he says something similar to, to the Jews or the Jewish religious leaders. So the, so that was John 14, 11, but in John 10, 38, he says, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe in the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me mm-hmm. and I in the father. Right. So, so essentially he, Jesus has given us, Jesus has given us these proofs, the people of his day, mm-hmm. the miracles validate the message. And yeah. throughout the scripture, you see that, right. The prophets, God validates the prophets through the miracles of the day. Yep. Those are to the people. Then I feel like the prophecy is <laughs> validating himself to people throughout time. Like now we mm-hmm. weren't there necessarily to experience the miracles, but we can see the prophecy and we can, we can reason through it and, and, you know, uh, essentially see, see things to be true. And, and we can mm-hmm. have reasons for what we believe. You know, a lot of yeah. times um, Christianity is positioned as illogical or something like that. But that's definitely not the case. No. Um, you know, it's it's a very rational religion with a very rich thinking tradition. And yeah. so if you if you find yourself uh, com- coming up with with some argument that you think disproves Christianity or something that you thought of that you know, it makes you want to doubt like, well, I never thought about this, but what about who, what about the question who created God? Mm-hmm. Right. Why wouldn't we think that I thought that when people mentioned God, who created God, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense because it's a nonsense question. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there is such thing as a bad question, I guess. But if you sat there in that place and you, you weren't really focused on, christianity being true then i guess you could not really research it but that is you know that question has been debunked and essentially the answer is no one no one created god god he wouldn't be god right exactly yeah because otherwise there would be kind of an infinite regress of who created the person who created Mm -hmm. god but isn't that circular thinking, Peter, as we talked about? Isn't that God covering himself? Because isn't he, isn't he saying, well, I've always been, so don't question me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Some, something, if, if you think about it, something had to have existed forever. Mm-hmm. Because if there was ever nothing, like absolutely nothing, yeah, what was there? there would always only be ever absolutely nothing. 
Yeah. Because um, X, there's a saying, X nihilo nihilo fit, which means out of nothing, nothing comes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting because today the scientists will, you know, redefine nothing to be a quantum vacuum, right? Yeah. So they say, well, so it's something, it's just not uh, what you no, think. Outer space is nothing. And we know that particles pop into and out of existence, out of nothing. And it's like, no, that's not nothing. That's a quantum vacuum. It's reacting to something. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, having the force of, and having forces and things like that, that is not nothing either. So mm-hmm. Aristotle defined nothing as what rocks dream about. And please, guys, if you're listening, please watch the Richard Dawkins video where he tries to define nothing. And the Catholic priest is just sitting there laughing. And he says, what are you laughing at? And he says, I'm laughing at you trying to define nothing as nothing. And it's a pretty funny video. But if you're listening and you're getting this, notice what Peter's saying. And I can, you know, I can always feel the evangelist in me going back to the word and the truth. But what he's saying is that this isn't like... I wrote some book and in 10 years, Pete wrote a book and then his son wrote a book and they wrote a book. And over the course of 60 years, we have this religion. Guys, God spoke, I mean, thousands of years ago, consistent prophecies and throughout hundreds of years, centuries, he would continue showing up to an angel of the Lord. There'd be scrolls. There'd be the word of God that was recorded. And over the course of thousands of years, this is all coming to pass through the nation of Israel. They were his prophets and priests and kings. Then you get to the New Testament. And if you've just joined us, jump into the episode before where I talk about John the Baptist. I preach this at my home church of Branches. But here's the point. As John would have been parading around the wilderness, dressed like Elijah, locusts and honey and camel skin and leather belt and, and proclaiming the truth. I claimed he was out there with the Essenes. What would have happened is these religious leaders would have gone out. And they would have said, is this happening in this day? And Pete made that allusion there to obviously the word of God. But what's amazing is if you read the gospel of John, John 1 and John 2, we begin to see miracles. The first miracle of Jesus was really the wedding in Cana. And what's crazy is many people would have drank of that wine that he transformed water into wine, but many didn't follow him. Jesus fed the 5,000, but 5,000 didn't follow. So though people could see Even though they were able to say, is this what's happening? Many didn't believe. And a great example for why I use John is John 1, 2. But just, I'm going to read for a sec, just John 3. Listen to Nicodemus, who knows the word of God, who would have understood everything Pete just said and said, yes, the scrolls have been around. And in John 3, Nicodemus 3, 1, it says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. So this guy was brilliant. He was a mind. He would fill the pulpit. He would give a speech. But look what it says in verse 2. It says, this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which is teacher, giving him reverence. We know that you are a teacher. Come from God. Wait a minute. How do we know, Nicodemus, exactly what Pete just said? It isn't blind faith. Only certain people whose God's hand is upon can do certain things. And he says, we know you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus comes saying, we see the miracles we see, but what Nicodemus doesn't get is that he's the Messiah. He thinks he's some prophet. He thinks there's an evidence for this because then in John 3, 3, Jesus says, as Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's the prophetic, there's the seeing it, there's the hearing the podcast, there's the encountering Pete, there's people in your family telling you, but ultimately it's going to come back. I don't want to jump too far ahead. We'll finish on this stuff later, but I wanted to affirm what Pete was saying there is that these prophecies, the word of God is given to you and me, people get a hold of this so that whoever you are, as Pete was joking, then the pizza showed up, you know, you're sitting at home, listening to this, you're driving a car. All these things are in the world for you to see and hear about. And like Nicodemus, you could be like, yeah, you know, Pete alluded to this a minute ago. Many people have heard the gospel, but haven't believed yet. Jesus made that point. One must be born again. So back to your point, though. There's the prophecy going out. There's the word of God going out. Um, what is it about prophecy? Why? Because it just affirms the truth of this coming Messiah. Yeah, I mean, it's predicting things ahead of time, right? Like we can't do that because we don't know the future. Mm-hmm. We don't have time machines. We don't have that kind of power. Only God does. And, and that, why does God? Because he's outside of what? Yeah, he's he's outside of time and he, and he proves that he knows the future essentially mm-hmm. by calling it exactly how it is. I think... The book of Daniel is probably one of the most powerful books mm. um, for prophecy because Daniel essentially predicts the day that Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem to be crucified. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very specific in Daniel chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's the exact time that you need to count from. Here's the exact period until the Messiah is going to come mm-hmm. and then he's going to be cut off. And cut killed. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's like, okay, um, this is very specific. Mm-hmm. So look at it, and, and it matches up. And whatever time you date Daniel, I mean, it was written. Jesus himself pointed to Daniel. He rolled into the city and said, if only you had known in this day, but your eyes have been sealed. I mean, that was one of the verses I came to faith on. I was on a plane, and the guy next to me was like a scientist or a professor. We were talking about the Bible, and I've been reading Daniel, and I realized, like, wait a minute. You're saying that Daniel was praying and there's a prophecy and an angel shows up and tells him a time hundreds of years later when this Messiah would be coming to Jerusalem and be killed and cut off. I mean, that was one of the main pushes for me. So, yeah, Daniel also goes through major empires, you know, like specifically, very clearly, you can see Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. You know, Greek Empire, all of these, all of these different things kind of outlines history. So, of course, what's the answer on the skeptical side is, oh, it must have been written afterwards. Yeah. But you really, you really can't say that, especially about the, you know, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's like, all right, well, maybe we'll just give you something in order for the sake to continue the argument. But, yeah. um, you know, you, you can't say that about the prophecies about the Messiah, like, like you said. Uh, yeah. Essentially, Jesus was quoting Daniel, and, yep. and you know we we have like the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are dated from before Jesus, right? Yep. So, um, and we have those documents, yeah, to this day. And just as you go into this point, guys, I, I love to just drop the word of God very simply. Listen, Isaiah fifty five eleven, seven hundred plus years before Jesus. I quote this verse all the time, especially when I'm out evangelizing. Why am I giving so much word of the skate park? Why am I proclaiming this at a festival? Because God says in Isaiah 55, 11, that my word shall go forth out from my mouth and it shall not return to me empty, but it, meaning God's word, that which was breathed and spoken, it shall accomplish the purpose which I sent it 
and it shall succeed in the thing for which it was sent. That's the Old Testament. You get to the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God, meaning guys, unbelievers, if you're listening, God claims he breathed the word of God. That's like me sending a letter to you in England and I speak it and someone pens it and they send it and it arrives to you. Well, that's my word. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, which means it still applies today, for a proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That means Hebrew, Greek, and the rest that was given, been translated into English, that whether it's word for word or paraphrased, obviously we're going to go off line by line as accurately we can. There is context here enough for us to understand God's love and his purpose, and we can go back and look at the translations to get the deeper meaning. It is enough today for Brian to have come to faith in 2004, for us to trust God's plan and to get the picture of these prophecies in the word. And here's the thing, I could have just started this whole thing and read Revelation 13, 14, talking about a mark that's going to come through which the whale wouldn't be able to buy or sell. That was written 2,000 years ago by the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, given by Jesus. We're living in a day and age now where people want to implant things in your arm, do away with cash, have a cashless society, so we will all be marked. Is this not what prophecy is? Yeah, I mean, just just looking at something like that, it it makes sense today in today's context or the 200 million man army. Yeah. Back in that day, it's like, there's no possible way there's a 200 million man army anywhere. Mm-hmm. Today, it makes sense. So all of these things make sense. And um, <laughs> you know, it's, not, it, it's not like any one thing is the silver bullet that proves beyond a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that with all certainty. But C.S. Lewis put it like this. He mm-hmm. says, I believe in the sun not because I'm looking at the sun, right? The sun, it hurts your eyes and you're not – but I believe in the sun because of everything else that it illuminates. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're in the day, I believe in the sun because I can see by it. And yeah, and you know, it, it, it essentially reveals reality. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, all of these other things that are not that, that, that God is illuminating for us or mm-hmm. proofs and evidences like each one. Right. Otherwise God would have done one miracle and would have said, just believe that. Mm-hmm. Right. He's given us a, a ton of evidence, yeah. but also, you know, the fact that that reality corresponds to what's written in the Bible, like you're saying in Revelation, there's a lot of stuff written. Yep, it made zero sense in the day that it was written. There's no way it could it could have been true just because yep. technology or you know whatnot. Like, how is everybody? You know, when the witnesses are there um, and they die, how's everybody? <laughs> how, would, how would everybody in the world be able to see that? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't. You would have to have been there got a smartphone and everybody can <laughs> real time easy right but and so it's just you know oddly coincidental that that it just it it, it makes sense and then even going back to the beginning yeah the creation account you know genesis one the creation account in genesis one makes sense today with yeah. what we know scientifically it makes sense right there are other creation accounts and it's like, you know, maybe the world's on the back of a turtle or, you know, things that we know couldn't possibly be true. They're obviously not true. 
So mm-hmm. nobody believes them. It's not even a question anymore. It's kind of like, oh, it's interesting to read this myth. Yep. But Genesis 1 is as relevant today as it was when it when it was originally written. Mm-hmm. Everything we know about cosmology. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it corresponds with reality back from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about, you know, towards the end in Revelation, it corresponds with reality. Yeah, because Genesis talks about in the beginning, God created. How did he create? He spoke. And they called it a Big Bang. And I've joked, I think it was more like a Prius. God just spoke, you know, well, like your Tesla. God just spoke and he spoke the universe, the single sentence. Everything began to form and shape. So sure, it came out of nothing as far as God spoke it, but there was already mass and matter. He brought it all together. He brings it all together in the book of Revelation. Sorry to tell some of these people this, but it talks about the earth one day being cleansed by fire and everything being rolled up. Heavens will be able to see. The skies will be rolled back. We'll see what's really there. I mean, for all you conspiracy heads that think this is a dome and the earth's around, I mean, it kind of looks like that, a snow globe. You could just peel the top right off. And then the Bible talks about God with the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. It'll be restored and those who have trusted in Christ will have their place with God for all eternity. But sadly, those who've rejected this message, who didn't follow and they ate with the 5,000 or they were there at the wedding in Cana, or I believe Nicodemus came to faith, we're going to ask him, they get to be with the Lord while others don't. Sadly, the Bible's a rescue mission. So let me see even. So this has put you in a place now where scientifically, does science disprove the Bible or because a lot of people listen and don't realize this. There's so many scientists that believe the Bible, but if they taught it the way they believed it in their classes, they get looked down upon. They wouldn't get their funding. They'd be ousted from universities. This happens all the time, but you don't hear about it, right? Yeah. So the, there's, there's nothing about science that disproves Christianity. Right? As a matter of fact, Christians were, were, some of the founders of major, um, you, you know, areas of science, mm-hmm. right? um, Galileo, Newton, yeah. uh, you know, they, they were Christians. They were worship God. I remember reading one of the old texts and it was just kind of talking about science and it breaks off into worship about worship of God. Yeah. Right. That's how I feel about science. I love science. Yeah. I love learning about essentially the way things the way god did things right? <laughs> i mean it's it's very fascinating a lot of times science atheists or naturalists will present it as well if you think that god did it then you're not going to be interested in finding out how kind mm-hmm. of where like, which isn't god, true at all yeah the, the, the god of the gaps is what they'll call it right mm-hmm. so you're not necessarily interested in finding out how it works because you, all you want to say is god did it but essentially, that, that's that's obviously not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there is there is something with atheists that 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 um, Christians can say, and it's and it's the chance of the gaps, right? Where they say chance plus necessity plus you know necessity uh, plus randomness plus enough time, yeah, gives you enough chance in order for something that's impossible to happen to happen, yeah. So how does it work? I don't know. But if we multiply the number of universes and if we do all of these other things and it's pretty much guaranteed to happen, no matter how small the probability is. But isn't that exactly just what God did? I mean, 
Didn't God just, I mean, I know there's macro micro evolution, but when you see Ben Stein interview Richard Dawkins, Richard Dawkins literally says, I suppose some possible alien life came here and deposited in some primordial soup and got the thing rolling or, or you know, planted us here. Ben Stein says, but just not the God of the Bible. And he goes, no, 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 that would be a terrible thing for me. So he's got a sense of humor, but you see this now, I'll, I'll drive through Long Beach and it'll just be these signs are like, you know, we believe in science. And I'm like, so do I. The science is, I mean, and the Bible says we only know in part. So some people have faith there was a big bang, or they have faith that we evolved. They go, no, that's science. No, that's science theory. That cannot be proven. The missing link is still missing. I know there's stronger cases for certain things today, but even Darwin's book, The Origin of Species, he said, I suspect this will be proven or disproven within 50 years. People don't believe we evolved in the way Darwin said. And we can go into that, you know, a canine's only ever been a canine or a feline, a feline, but science itself, the way it's presented like a religion, that's not it. Biblically. Yeah. And, and there are limitations to science, right? If, if, you, if you say something like only things that we can empirically test scientifically are true or can be known to be true, that's obviously not right because that statement itself is mm -hmm. not a scientific statement that you can prove, right? Yeah. It's obviously false. Like I think what you said before, there is no truth. Yeah. There is no truth, and that statement's also false. So it's it's kind of defeats itself. Yep. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes as Christians, we need to understand these things that there's self defeating arguments that essentially are illogical. They don't make any sense. But mm -hmm. if you're not, if you don't look into it enough, you may not realize it. Science is um, observations, and science is good. But like I said, the scientists can have their own interpretations of what the data is. Yeah, um, there are things that, that we don't question, but there's a there's a lot that needs to be established even before you can do science. There's a lot that needs to be established philosophically. Yeah, so there's areas of philosophy like epistemology, which is the study of, of knowledge. Like, how do you know what you believe is true and metaphysics um, and things we can know to be true without mm -hmm interacting with them in the real world yeah things are you know said to be known a priori mm. right Where you can just you know think about them logically and prove them to be true without ever interacting with them in the real world mm -hmm. right? that is not science and so a lot of this needs to be done in order for you to even be able to start doing science which is really what happened with, you know, my coming of faith was looking at all the different faiths, turning it back, getting to Genesis, reading the old. I mean, I should have brought the, for the YouTube guys watching and girls, um, I should have brought the Bible that I first got. You know, I was walking through a park, Lake Park. I was near there today. And I said, well, I wasn't a believer. I don't even have a Bible. And as I got to Lake Park, as I walked up to a bench, there was a brand new, like $50 Bible wrapped in cling film sitting there on the corner of the table. I picked it up and I went home and with a cheesy pink felt tip pen, I underlined every single thing that I didn't believe. The age of man and that it never rained, uh, dinosaurs supposedly, all these things. And I have it today. And I went back and looked at all those challenges scientifically, those contradictions, all the rest, and listening to apologetics guys, creationists, many different people. And what they were saying was like, okay, I get it. But it wasn't until I actually came to faith 
And Pete made that point earlier. I want to make it now. It isn't that we just believe we hope this book is real and all these books that Pete's got behind him are there just because he hopes God's real. We had real encounters with God. We were born again. There's many people that might go to church, have the names engraved and know the Bible in and out, but don't know Jesus. But you can know Jesus, meet him, be forgiven of your sins. And the Holy Spirit shows you, reveals that to you. You come to faith and you're never the same. You still wrestle. You still struggle. You're still going to be wretched you at times inside, like really, Lord. But once you know like I said, in 2004, I was changed. I was never the same. I, I know that God is real. And now my faith is, I hope this podcast reaches people. Lord, whoever's president, I'm watching what you're doing. God, I'm believing for you to do this in my son's life or whatever it may be. So, amen. <laughs> yeah, and that, that brings up a good point, Brian, is is there, there are many ways to know that you can know by experience. So you had these experiences where... You prayed for a Bible, and then a Bible showed up on the bench right there. It just doesn't happen. Does that, has that ever happened to you ever again? And is everyone that does that, is that going to happen to them? No, but individually to me, God mm -hmm. affirmed himself to me. I mean, that's crazy. There's been certain things in my life that were very, even this podcast, the way Isaac showed up and said, I feel like you're meant to do this. I was like, I don't have the time. Our friend showed up with a microphone, an expensive one, this one, and said, I feel like I'm meant to give this to you. And I was like, okay, Lord, should I pray about it? Okay. So yes, I mean, back to the point, we're not saying every person that prays, give me a $50 Bible in the park right now, it's going to happen. That's not what the Bible teaches, but that happened in my life. But anyway, go on, Pete, you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because because God is real, He can He can meet you where you need to be met. Maybe it is an experience. Um, you know, a lot of times in apologetics, you focus on the reason, but oftentimes you realize it's not it's not really uh, a logical thing for somebody. It's more of an emotional thing. Yeah, or it's you know it's 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 something else. Yeah. God can meet you where you need to be met. If you need to be met in the area of reason. Yeah. God can meet you there because his word's true. He can, he can meet you in an experience. He can meet you. Um, you know, he can have somebody come and talk to you. Mm -hmm. And, and he does. But I think a lot of times, you know, as Christians in, in the church, we, we just tend to people that have doubts. Um, we, we tend to see doubt as a, as a bad thing where I don't mm -hmm. think, Doubt is necessarily a bad thing. A doubt is a legitimate problem that you cannot or have not solved yet. Yeah. Right. Which is different, I think, than unbelief. It's right? really different. Yeah. Then it's your, you're essentially setting your will against whatever that thing is versus, uh, you know, questioning it. So I think yeah. you're welcome to question, to question things, but just know that there are answers out there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you all the answers today. Um, there's no way we could. I don't have all the answers. But you don't need to know all the answers because God didn't. I mean, yeah. something I wanted to say a minute ago, and I remember coming to faith, ordering all those DVDs, and there was two of them together, and I have them in the garage still. I have them, you know, till I go to the grave. It was kind of a testimony, but it was the DVD that talked about the creationists who talked about the sun and the earth and the moon's place. And if the earth was any percentage in either direction, it would burn up or it would freeze. And even it's like we're positioned exactly perfectly where we're meant to be for us to go, are we set apart? Are we special? Which to those listening, they sound like, oh, are we saying it's all about us? Yes. 
We are made in God's image. We fell. We are the object of his affection. But you know the DVDs I'm talking about, right? Yeah, so that's that, that's known as uh, the, the fine-tuning argument, mm -hmm. right? which is oftentimes it's explained as there are, you know, so many things that are just right for us to be able to even exist, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's all these fundamental physical constants where if they were different, like the law, like the gra gravity, if gravity, the force of gravity was any different by a fraction of a percent, mm -hmm. the universe would have collapsed in on itself or it would have expanded too rapidly in order to form stars. And therefore, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, and there's so many things like that, that the probability of the universe just having all of these things set in, all of these forces set in, it's too crazy. Hey, it's unbelievable. So, you know, going back to the probabilities, it's like unbelievable because it didn't have to be the way it is. It could have been different. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think a lot of times they're positing the multiverse because if, if you go, well, there's infinite universes and most of them don't work, but we just find ourselves in one that does. Um, and they say that every few months, hey, we found this and there could be life and there could be that. Show us find it i mean show us you know and, and if that was the case god would have had some other plan he'd have told us about but even like neil degrasse tyson he'll say we don't even really know what gravity is still we know how it works but we don't know what it is this force you know i mean it's yeah and i mean that's what a good scientist will do they will not settle on a theory they will look to what's there and i mean i've heard everything from even, you know, Hebrew scholars and professors saying they believe what our DNA is, is, you know, Hebrew written in a certain binary code. And I'm just like, I don't need to know that stuff for my faith. You know, um, I know because of what Christ did in my heart. I mean, you became born again. We'll unpack that in a moment. So, but I guess, you know, we talked about this as well. So, and you were alluding to it. What do you do when Christians do begin to doubt? I'm not saying that they doubt in the faith, but what when they begin to, because for Dakota, I remember him being 16, 17, and that Zykus video and all the atheist videos. And he was like, well, dad, I'm watching all these videos. You know, what do you think? And I know we talked about a gentleman you'd heard his son say, but I was the same way. Yeah, you need to figure out for yourself that God is who he says he is. He claims he's the way, the truth, and the life. Your faith is subjective to everyone else. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus, with God and the Holy Spirit. So, but when Christians begin to doubt or someone is recommended this episode and they go, well, I don't even know if I believe anymore. Is that okay to think like that? Yeah. So again, as, as, as I said, just a few minutes ago, doubt, doubt is okay. Right. Um, but then you've got to be sincere in, in searching for the truth. You have to be essentially, I, I say I'm loyal to the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and his name is Jesus mm -hmm. this is the truth. Right. Says I'm I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. Mm -hmm. But because, because he's true, you don't you don't have to be afraid of really finding out something that's gonna that's gonna demolish your faith or or make you think that's false. But you need to be sincere in your in your inquiry. Mm -hmm. Because if you have other motives, like you know what, I want to live like this, and so I don't necessarily want it to be true, and so I have this doubt, um, which is common. Yeah, yeah it, it, it could be. So so if you are sincerely seeking. Then, then you will definitely find the answers. I mean, they're out there. I, I, I make it a habit of reading a book a week, and I've done that for for ten years. So mm -hmm. I've got read at least five hundred books, and you know, I've, I'm going to keep going for for a long time because mm -hmm. I'm interested, again seeing all these arguments and, and hearing all of these things. But I'm not 
I'm not worried about reading a book that's going to unhinge my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it, because I know it's true. Like, yeah. it is true, so I, so I don't need to, I don't, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Um, and, and so a sincere investigation into, into whatever doubts that. Truth's going to stand, because even in the New Testament, you know, I know they were believers, but I was just reading this verse earlier today. And we talk about the Bereans a lot, but it talks about them and it says, now the Bereans were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So, for a worldview, guys, you've got to look at this. God claims his word is true. You either believe that or you don't. If I was on the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, hook it up, Joe, we'll talk about the gospel. And Joe said, I don't believe the Bible. I'd be like, of course you don't. I don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Of course you don't. If you are not a born-again believer, you cannot believe Jesus is the Messiah. You've not been forgiven. You're not filled with the Spirit. But the reality is the Bereans were looking to God's word. Why? Because God claims from Genesis to Revelation that is all truth. That is the truth. Everything else, there's a thought outside of that. And you're sounding like, Brian, you're so divisive in this. Well, no, we've got to look at it. Your breath, your blood, your life, all that's going on in the world is held together by God. And God says, this is my love letter. So what Peter's saying is someone who is searching out and walking in truth. If you go to God's word and you let God speak to you, like I would say to Joe Rogan, have you opened God's word? Are you pressing into God's word? Not do you think God is jealous like Oprah did, so you close God's word. Not have you misunderstood what it meant to be a slave in the Old Testament, or you've seen how Israel did things wrong at times, and you think that was God's plan. No. Go back to a couple of episodes and listen to my sermon on angry God and how God is purposely doing the things he is because people, terrorists, were coming against his people. But the Bereans went to the word. We want to go to the word. If you are really searching the truth, what you need to hear will be there. Because if not, God wouldn't be a good father. And like Job, he just questioned Job and said, who are you? Do you get who I am? That's enough. But for so many answers that you're going to have, there are clear answers. And for a lot of these zeitgeist videos and things out there claiming to disprove the Bible, or again, the things they throw around ancient aliens, like it's just winged. You read some of these books by these well-known multimillionaire atheists, and they're just winging parts of the Bible together. And you're like, that's not what that means. That's not what that said. That's not what that's translated. But it's people who are gullible because the best-selling author were mad at God are reading it, devouring it, saying, of course God's crazy. Like, no, God claims his word is true. Open it up or stop talking about him. Just get on with what you want to do because that's the issue. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely open the word of God. There, there are good resources now. We, we live in the information age. So I guess there's all kinds of things. Maybe don't start on Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's answers. Again, Christianity is a rich thinking tradition. We've got 2,000 years of mm-hmm. theology and philosophy. And yeah, even science. Um, and and essentially, there's there's answers out there. Mm. Um, the question that you have is not a new question, and it's dealt with very thoroughly, right? Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, some of the atheists they'll, they'll take the Bible and and twist it. And I was reading Bertrand Russell book the other day, "Why I Am Not a Christian," and he went through some verses, and essentially, you know, what he thought they said mm. is 
is nowhere close to what to what my understanding of those verses as a Christian is. Or me and you, I'll bet if we read those same verses Bertrand Russell read, we would have said this is what that means. And Bertrand Russell takes it somewhere completely different. Yeah. He has some false ideas, and then so he said so. So he says it's false. Yeah, and I, it's a projected idea. It's you know you've got to think it's like people back in the day going looking for dinosaurs or whatever. They want the funding. They want the university. The Indiana Jones. They come back with pieces of you know a pig and a whatever tooth. And hey, this is Lucy or the missing link or Neanderthal man. They're just winging it. I mean, for one, man's heart is is a deceptive. But for two, people are just going through life. But you made a point earlier. You know, it's not what we see. We know that faith is real. You know, we have this faith. And also when Thomas came to Jesus, he didn't believe he doubted. Jesus showed up in the room. He'd been crucified. He's resurrected. Thomas is doubting and Jesus tells him to put his fingers in his side. So Thomas gets this scientific moment. He gets to see Jesus, the wounds, the scars. He puts his fingers in his side and he tells him, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. So there's an element where right there that day, you've got to realize Jesus was fulfilling all these prophecies. He was one of his disciples. Jesus was going to endow him to see the Messiah in the flesh resurrected. But Jesus said, but blessed are those who have not seen. I've never seen Jesus in the flesh. He's never going to show it to God. You can do whatever you want, but I am not trying to pray. Jesus, show up in my room. I've got his word. I have the Holy Spirit. I don't need him to be here. He's in heaven. He dwells inside all of us. But Pete, we talked about Nicodemus, and here's the important thing. Because when Nicodemus is told, you cannot be born again, in verse 4, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can a man be born then when he is old? Can he enter a second time his mother's womb and be born? He's looking at scientific evidence, and he's saying, you told me, Jesus, I can't see this unless I'm born again. Being born means right there from your mother, you're born. <laughs> what Jesus says, and here's the scientific Bible evidence for coming believer. Jesus in verse 5 of John 3 says, I tell you, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, meaning to look at this world without being forgiven and encountering Jesus's love, God's grace and mercy, you are only ever walking in the flesh and the flesh is dead. But when we come to faith and the gospels, the power, and Brian confessed and Pete confessed and whoever confesses, Joe Rogan, whoever, whatever it is, the spirit of God lives in them and he opens our dead eyes, opens our dead ears, heals our dead heart. And now we see. You've heard every episode of the podcast in the room back there. This verse is scientifically true. I couldn't see it. I was trying to disprove it. I believe Jesus lived. I believe he was Yeshua, Joshua, the Messiah, the Christ. But he said, unless you are born again. And he says in verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he tells Nicodemus, do not marvel that I said you must be born again. Don't just think in the flesh. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. I remember preaching in a church downtown Huntington, our, our little church we use sometimes. And I was teaching on evangelism and a guy came in and he looked like he'd been through a bit of chaos in the middle of the class. He goes, you know, I don't believe any of this. And I was like, I know you don't. And he just kind of like looked at me and he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, 
You don't believe any of this. Have you encountered Jesus? Have you been born again? Do you feel the breeze outside? That's how the Holy Spirit moves. So you might hear me at a festival confessing Jesus and calling you to repent, or you might hear Pete on the street or Pete in a book or Pete in a podcast, and he's unpacking truths because listen to me, I came to faith through looking at everything. I was reading Geisler. I was looking at those Ravi books. I was unpacking Frank Turek. I wasn't a believer. God used apologetics in such a heavy way with me, with Clive, you know, C.S. Lewis and um, Lee Strobel's book. I mean, he's unpacking truths in there. But it was that moment when I heard and saw my sin and confessed and cried out that what Jesus was telling Nicodemus is the difference. To the skeptics, go to God with your skepticism, open up his words, see if his letter's true. He will deal with you. I pray you hear his voice and get to know him. So... Any other thoughts, Pete? Yeah, I mean, just just going back to Thomas and uh, what Jesus, what what Thomas said. He said he's 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 known as doubting Thomas, right? And Jesus Jesus appears <laughs> essentially to address his issue, which is mm-hmm. doubting. He wants to see and feel, and then but when he when he Jesus presents himself there and he says, you know, essentially touch me, but don't be don't be doubting, but believe, mm-hmm. right? And then Thomas declares the most bold declaration of Christ at that point, which mm-hmm. was my Lord and my God. Yes. So he essentially went from doubting to then being presented with the evidence to mm-hmm. then belief, right? Faith, the strong faith, which is my Lord and my God. Yeah. So I think it's maybe unfair to call Thomas doubting Thomas because, you know, he's super believing Thomas. Yeah, he was he, he as soon as soon as God met him, he didn't stay in his doubt, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times, if you get too caught up in skepticism, yeah, you stay in that place, and you think, you know, I need to be one hundred percent certain of something in order for me to switch my position to actual belief. Yeah, I think that that's I I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, you know, you could have varying degrees of belief on on certain things. And you could say, you could say to God, I believe, help my unbelief, right? As they said, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so you can have various, various levels of of belief. And so, you know, you can say, well, I'm maybe 80% sure, right? But that's belief, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's, I think it's hard to get to 100% certainty just because of our, just because of our our limitations as humans, right? If we were omniscient, then we'd know 100% certainty of everything. But because mm-hmm. of our limitations as humans, um, I, you know, it's it's hard to get to the point where you're 100% on things. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean believing in various things, every little detail. Yeah, but yeah. You know, if I said to you, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Do you 100% believe that? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I believe it like two plus two equals four. Right. It's a fact that you know he lived, yeah. died, resurrected, but you didn't see it. You went there, but this deposit of the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. That's yeah. the it, difference. It, because of everything that I've learned, everything that I've questioned, all of my experiences, you know, um, it, uh, all of these different things that essentially point to the truth. Mm-hmm. I gave the C.S. Lewis quote, but G.K. Chesterton who's one of my favorite, you know, apologetic authors. And he was kind of before C.S. Lewis. A lot of what C.S. Lewis said came from him. 
He says, a man doesn't, and I'm going to misquote him, but he, mm-hmm. but GK Chesterton says it's okay to misquote people because if you're not, if you don't really know them unless you're misquoting them. Well, he's not alive. I don't think he's going to hear the podcast. So take it up with him in heaven. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so he, he said something like, um, a man doesn't, doesn't believe a thing when he hears this or that thing that proves it. Mm-hmm. A man only really believes the thing when everything in his experience proves it. Right. And mm-hmm. so, so a lot of times you can have one or two um, proofs for something, but essentially that's, that, that's easier to do. I think the example mm-hmm. he gave is like, why is it, why is it better to live, to, to not live like a savage, right? And to live kind of, you know, how we're living. Mm-hmm. Ask that to somebody, they would sit there and like stutter almost and stammer and like, oh, well, it's because we have coffee and, and we have, you know, uh, cars and you know like all these yeah. different things and i think that's 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 kind of how it is it's like there's so many different things that prove it it's not just the one thing that you can point at that's mm-hmm. thing. um <laughs> well a guy said to me you know man um i keep hearing you christians when i after i got done preaching at a big thing in texas i keep hearing you christians and blah 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 and i don't like this and that and I go, well, do you ever see, you see any evidence for God? And he goes, well, I'll tell you what. I had this girlfriend for a long time, and then she started reading that Bible, and she started going to church, and pretty soon she didn't want to have sex with me. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, and, and you don't think that's an evidence of God? And she's like, how is that an e-? He said, how is that an evidence of God? I said, well, one minute she wanted to, and the next minute she didn't. Why? Did she love you? Yeah, she loved me. Did she care for you? Yeah, she did. We've been together for four years. So suddenly something you couldn't see? changed in her and she had a stronger conviction that she literally said to him i want to honor god i hope you come to faith i don't want to do this right now and i was like hey back to your point about the sun there it is shining into her life because she wants to honor god so you know there it is (laughs) and you you know we're talking about c.s lewis i just want to read something for someone to this is the guy who wrote narnia you know, the screw tapes, letters and mere Christianity and C.S. Lewis, who's, you know, long dead and gone. I don't even think he became a professor, right? He was there at Oxford and things, but I don't know if he was ever a professor. Yeah, a professor. He was an Oxford Don and actually John Lennox studied under him. Okay. So but, yeah, he was a professor. He didn't, okay. he didn't have a, a doctorate though. He didn't have a PhD. That's what I meant. He didn't have the doctor, but he's a professor. Well, he said... <laughs> I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept the claim to be God, his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the thought of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus claimed over and over and over to be God. Uh, that's powerful. So if you unpack that, Lewis's argument is mm-hmm. you cannot logically say that Jesus was just a good teacher, which a lot of people want to do, right? And say, okay, Jesus, he was a good teacher. 
He was enlightened. He was yeah. filled with the light. We accept Jesus. He said, he said he was God. Yeah. Right. He, he said he was the way he said a lot of things about hell and, and people's destinies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, these types of things, him claiming to be God, him forgiving people's sins. Yeah. As he forgives people's sins. <laughs> types of things you cannot say merely as a good teacher. You know, what Lewis is saying is either he was saying something that he knew wasn't true. Right. Which, which a lot, there's been a lot of false messiahs, mm-hmm. right? a lot of people that would, that would claim even today with cults and things like that. Yeah. Either he was saying something he knew he wasn't true or he was a lunatic. Like he said, like he was crazy. He actually believed them to be true. And he was yep. saying, or he was who he said he was. Yeah. Right. But there's, there's, there's no other option. You can't, you know, you can't just say he was a good teacher because of the things he said. He he didn't leave that option open. Yep, it was specific. And he left as many evidences again to demonstrate that he was who he said he was. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, the resurrection. Yep. That that was the sign. That was the major sign. And not only was it the major sign, but it's the reason why we're reconciled mm-hmm. to God. <laughs> and resurrection. Well, that's everything. BC, I mean, before Christ, and now we have this time of our date and who he is. And to me, he was just this guy from the Catholic Church, and he was this white guy on TV at Easter, and that's not who he is. Who he is is the Messiah who came into humanity, walked as a man to live, die, resurrect, take up our sins so we could be freely forgiven. You could be here in this, and you stuck around long enough, and it's like, you're addicted to substance or you hate your life or you've got so much pride and whatever you've done, the craziest of things, and you think there's no way out. Well, the only way out is through this Messiah we're talking about. Pete and I are filthy, wretched sinners. The Bible says on our best day, our lives, our righteous are filthy rags. And that term translated is literally a woman's menstrual cycle. The kind of blood we bring to God because we're fallen is wretched and fallen apart. So we're in need of someone. And it's who Lewis talks about. It's who me and Pete talk about. It's who all the scriptures talk about. It's of Jesus Christ who lived, said it many times, died, resurrected, and showed up to Thomas and is alive today. And wherever you are, is the spirit of God speaking to you? Do you feel the wind? Like that guy who came into the church, I don't believe. Like I was in the Joe, if I was on the Joe Rogan podcast, well, I don't believe. Well, Joe, here's the gospel. Scientifically, we can say a lot of stuff, but scientifically for you and God, do you hear? Do you believe? Do you respond? Because God's wrath will be poured out at the end of time. It was poured out on Jesus but we can be forgiven today because of what he did. And that is a free gift as we repent. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to any of you? Do you need to get right with God? You can do that now by crying out and confessing Jesus is your Lord. You need forgiveness for him to take the weight of your life, for him to walk with you as your father, fill you with the Holy Spirit, empower you. Guys, cry out like I did when I was 24, like Pete did early on in his years, that the Holy Spirit would begin to minister to you. Guys, please let us know if God is reaching out to you, if this podcast has messaged to you that way. Amen. Any other thoughts, Pete? 
Yeah, amen. Way, way to give the gospel there. Most Brian. important thing is that you hear about our Lord and Savior, but you get to know him. Guys, so many people message me or our guests or reach out. We'll put all that information out there. But the most important thing is that you reach out and get to know God. If the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes, if you're hearing his voice, draw nearer to him, press in and listen. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. So how can people get a hold of you then, Pete? Oh yeah, I mean I haven't I haven't really set anything up yet. Um, I guess I'm on Twitter a little bit. So um, uh, Pete Dewanis, I guess if you put that into Twitter. So P E T E D U E N E S. Yeah, or my my email is uh, p d u e n e s at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Guys, Pete has a, a, a very cool business of supplements that he puts out there and it's really taken off and his heart has been helping missionaries and doing things around the world. But he's in this season now of a lot of our conversation is, man, where is the Lord leading him? You know, if he, if he blesses him with more finances, his first Timothy 6 talks about be rich in good works, but also... What does God want to do with him? And I believe even jumping on this today, and if you've listened, you've heard where his mind is, where his heart is, you need to be praying for him that God would just open doors and bless him, that he has more and more platforms to reach in a time where the gospel's being challenged, in a time where Satan is doing a work in the world, the Satan. We need more soldiers to rise up so they can contact you on Twitter. They can email you. We'll have you on a bunch more times this year. We'll get some things going, maybe places of, you know, documents, videos, all the rest. So Pete, would you just mind praying for us though, before we go and maybe just anyone who's questioning where they are and needs to get close to God. Definitely father God, we just uh, give this time to you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, we just pray that, that these words, Lord, that they wouldn't have been from us, that that they that your spirit would use them to, to reach people, people that are doubting uh, their faith or, or people that have um, other excuses that are keeping you from them. God, we just pray that you would break down these barriers, break down these walls, anything keeping them from you, that, that they would open their hearts so that they can receive the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and and be counted among those who have their names written in the book of life. God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would, would just use this Lord and, and save souls. Jesus name. Amen. Well, guys, this is Brian and Pete. The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. We pray and hope this has encouraged you that you've saw science and truth points to God Almighty, points to his son, leads you in the power of the Holy Spirit to come to faith. Uh, Keep sharing these videos. Go check them out on YouTube. Follow me at briansumner.net. It's all getting launched February 1st upcoming episode is Lisa Childers and we're going to unpack the gospel I'm about to start up the final part of this gospel book I've been writing for a while so I want to do a bunch of episodes on that we'll be praying for Pete myself we're praying for you let us know how you're doing God bless you all love you all amen